to Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up on the stories that we've been covering in politics for One News. We're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio. And because it's Budget Week, we've got two very special guest appearances for May Heron from our Wellington office and Ryan Boswell from our Auckland office. So thank you very much for being here, guys. No worries. It's been good. Good. I'm glad that you've enjoyed it. I think we're all feeling slightly shell-shocked yeah. from yesterday. Mm. But let's take a look at um, our coverage from Budget Day. The finance minister pitching his plan for spending the country's cash. He's promising to fix our hospitals, schools and state houses. We're seeking to rebuild public services to the standards that New Zealanders need and deserve. Health gets the biggest injection. That'll pay for cheaper doctor's visits for half a million Kiwis with community services cards, saving up to $30 a visit. DHBs will get an extra $2 billion to keep the system running, and 750 million will go on hospital buildings. The single biggest boost in a decade. Education wins as well. Hundreds of extra teachers and new classrooms for 7,000 students. Early childhood education gets a big boost too. Labor's also promising to build 600 more state houses than it originally promised, taking the total to 1,600 a year. Christchurch will get funding for a public inquiry into EQC's post-quake performance and to establish an independent tribunal to resolve outstanding claims. But with all of this talk of rebuilding the public service, is it enough? It's an, it's an incredibly important start. The government says the books are looking healthy, but the finance minister has still delayed some of his promises, keeping some in the kitty. Leaving ourselves with some wiggle room is something we want to do at the moment. National says there are gaps. There's still a huge amount that could, that should have been done, such as cheaper universal doctor visits, the police, a prison, biosecurity. Simon Bridges says it's a spray and walk away budget. This budget shows that they are a government that is borrowing more, taxing more and spending more, but has no plans for how we as a country can earn more. On that side of the house there's a lot of shouty shouty and not a lot of plenty plenty. Grant Robertson's job was to sell the budget to fellow MPs, but it seems he might not have convinced the opposition benches. That's a picture of the National Party when they were in the budget. The government hoping its budget will turn that frown upside down for the rest of New Zealand. So when you're looking at it and we're we usually are asked to name the budget. I think mine were the nuts and bolts, the back-to-basics budget. What do you guys reckon? What were your thoughts? What were your impressions? I'm calling it baby's first steps. Because <laughs> I think it gives a signal in terms of where the government wants to go. It's nothing radical, but mum and dad are going to be happy that baby's made those, those first steps. And I think a lot of people uh, who are going to get those free GP visits are going to be happy. They're seeing uh, something um, in their back pocket, which will make a difference for a lot of people. Does it make Grant Robertson baby then? <laughs> and nobody puts baby in the corner. I don't know. No. What were your impressions? Well, I, I'm, I'm going to call it the first brick because yeah. it's the first step. But I think the other part of it is that you can't actually see the complete building, can you? You just put the first step down and then you have to rely on someone saying, this will look good. I promise you this will look good. This will look good. And I guess for people who expected more of the building to be 
taken place by now, maybe a little bit disappointed by it. I wish I'd talked to both of you before six o'clock last night because those both would have been quite good ideas <laughs> to steal, actually. Um, in terms of coalition wins, because that's the that's the politics of it here, That's we're seeing it play out for the first time. How do you balance out what Labour wants to spend money on and you've got Winston Peters on this side and the Greens on this side? It seems to be very difficult to balance those because the public has an expectation that Labour is going to deliver everything that it's set out. But in fact, once it goes through the numbers and having to uh, push and pull, I guess, from New Zealand first and the Greens, it's not going to deliver everything straight away. And like May was saying, it is just building those foundations to get things things started. It's, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, and I don't know if the public at this stage is necessarily going to be 100% happy with, with what's been offered up today. And I think in terms of the coalition, it's interesting to note, actually, that most of the big wins that um, New Zealand First, i.e. Um, overseas, and Greens, you know, conservation, they were announced before the budget, which left yesterday very much in Labour's hands, you know? Absolutely, and I'm sure that that wasn't by accident. But it did feel like they got just little crumbs thrown at them yesterday. They had the racing stuff with for Winston Peters. We saw Department of Conservation, which of course was in both of their agreements, um, and also the things like high tech jobs. But yeah, it felt like Winston got his big win for, with MFAT the week before, um, and it seemed like he was a bit of a. He obviously talked a little bit louder on this side than the Greens did. It feels there wasn't a lot for the Greens really. Yeah. I, I was expecting a bit more, particularly uh, when it came to the environment and the investment to make the transition into a sustainable, uh, more environmentally uh, friendly economy, I guess is what uh, the Greens have been really pushing for. And particularly around the um, the um, move uh, in the agriculture sector, there, was, there wasn't a lot there. Another thing that we covered off in your story were those GP visits, and of course that caused a lot of controversy in the leading week, saying that they were delaying their promise for cheaper GP visits for people. Do you think that they diffused that yesterday with this targeted funding, and do you feel like it maybe would have been useful if if they'd given people more of a hint that that was coming? They're big numbers, aren't they? So there was a survey done last year, half a million Kiwis avoid going to the doctor because of the cost. And so when they can turn around and say, well, we are now accommodating half a million Kiwis to be able to go to the doctor. We're making it easier for them by bringing down the cost. Then um, people sitting at home go, oh, that, that's got to be a good thing, right? Um, so I do think they've, they've dis- diffused it in that area. Um, but of course, it's, it's what they do next. What, what else is coming? And that's, what, that's, that's the problem for any government, isn't it? You announce your policies, uh, but people always want more. I do think it was really smart of them to extend it, not just to an age, right, but they targeted people on accommodation supplements, you know, people who are housing New Zealand tenants. And so what I feel it does by naming those things is allow the public to go, oh, that's me, oh, that's me, oh, that's me. And so it just extends it a little bit more to not just, oh, if you've got, you know, someone under 14. It was Grant Robertson's first budget and it was Labour's first budget in nearly a decade. We also had a bit of a first this week. We actually filmed a 360 video introducing people to what it was going to be like on budget day. And what that means is we're standing there with the camera and it's capturing everything in 3D. So if you, we're pretty familiar with Parliament, <laughs> and we're pretty used to it, but if you want to go in and you can have a look around, um, it's on our Facebook page um, if anyone wants to go and have a look. Uh, it's quite kind of an interesting 
perspective, I guess, you get to look around the halls of power. So it's a, it's a good thing to have a look at. I guess there's a lot of history and stuff with the lockup as well. Um, we managed to ferret out, or a um, special member of our team, Rochelle, managed to ferret it out. Um, this is the very first lockup for the media that ever took place. Look at this. About two dozen journalists from daily newspapers, radio and television were locked in this room in Parliament this afternoon to start preparations for the coverage of the budget. It's a new move. Normally the media gets the budget under strict embargo about six o'clock. Locking up journalists with the budget is not an act of revenge on the Prime Minister's part. It's an attempt by both the government and the media to improve coverage. Treasury Secretary Mr Bernie Galvin will be on hand to explain some of the technical complexities of the budget statement and estimates of expenditure. And when Press Secretary Leslie Miller arrived with the documents in the box, the process was ready to begin. The Prime Minister and his advisers put the final touches on the budget a number of days ago, and the government printing office began running off the blue covers earlier this week. Government MPs will get a sneak preview of what Mr Muldoon has in store for the nation at a special caucus meeting in half an hour. Tip to rise are beer, spirits and cigarettes, possibly petrol and milk as well. In return there'll be some tax relief for the lower paid and new measures to combat unemployment. Down in the lockup, one feeling was that the main economic measure, the government's moves on interest rates, might be the major talking point. Journalists, economists and their advisers went into the lock-up at 3.30 this afternoon. They'll be let out again at 7.30 this evening when the House rises and Mr Muldoon reads his 14th budget. At that time, we'll all know what's in it. The budget has changed so much in such a short space of time. There were no lolly cups. But there was smoking. <laughs> that was the thing that, like, it just... It, it's funny how much that shocks you, even from, you know, three decades ago. And the computers and the curtains. I couldn't yeah. get those curtains, you know? Yeah. Everything's so different. Yeah. I'm glad we had lamingtons this time round, though. Yeah, that's true. For anyone who doesn't know, um, what happens is at Parliament, um, all of the journalists go into this lock-up and we're given these big piles of documents that we go through. Um, and because, obviously, the information is sensitive, we have to stay there to digest it and then we're not allowed to release it till 2. And so it is quite strange being sort of locked in there with lots of the journos and things like that. But fun. Fun. And also the time goes really quickly too. You know, there are screeds and screeds of paper to go through and uh, plenty of numbers to uh, digest. So it is a bit of fun sort of sitting around and throwing throwing around ideas as well. And it's so weird because you're there with everyone. There's so many people in that budget lockup because it's not just us as journalists. There's also, you know, analysts and a, a lot of people from a whole lot of different sectors. And so you do have this weird moment at times where you're reading through and you're in your groups and you're talking about what you're doing, but you look up and you're like, man, there's so many people doing the exact same thing. And there's a bit of a panic because there's so much information that you're like, okay, it's really important to get things right and to see what's really important for people. And it's not just the lock-up, there are lots of other little traditions. Um, we saw that Grant Robertson brought back wearing the rose, um, that's something that Michael Cullen did on budget days. What are some other ones? The pie? The pie, the pie? yeah, he ate, what did he eat? The Southland cheese, cheese roll or something mm. instead, you kind know? Of a variation <laughs> on that. And the media loves its lolly cups, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I know with the cafe at, um, at Parliament here, it often sells out on yeah. budget day. I think we've got a little bit of footage of this one eating a few. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I just had to keep going. Yeah. Um, another thing we saw this week, um, earlier in the week, is that the Prime Minister and Winston Peters drafted up a letter for how things were going to work when she leaves to go on maternity leave. Because it's, you know, it's an unusual step. It's pretty unprecedented, uncharted territory. So she's going to take six weeks off and Winston Peters will be the acting Prime Minister. And there were things in there like 
he's not going to move into her office on the ninth floor <laughs> of the Beehive and he's going to have her staff there <laughs> and all of these things. But it was, it was kind of an interesting thing to start thinking about. She's not due for another month. But you never know. Yeah. Um, what What do you think? How do you think Winston's going to take it? Well, I, I thought it was really important that they did this because there were, there, there have been, and there still yeah. are a lot of questions mm. about what this period when Jacinda Ardern isn't Prime Minister, what that looks like. So in a way, I feel like they had to kind of get ahead of this and put some of those expectations out because there were so many little weird questions like that. But I think, you know, in all honesty, Winston Peters does have a very interesting relationship, I think, with the media in particular. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of persona he takes on during that period of time. Do you think we'll see the statesman Winston Peters? I think so. I (laughs) wonder, though, whether... Winston can be micromanaged uh, by Jacinda Ardern. You know the answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) And I I wonder how much, uh, how often they're going to be talking because, let's be fair, she is still Prime Minister and she will still want to keep a tight reins on what's happening. And by the sounds of it, um, the answer was yes. She was saying she'll still get briefings and she'll still um, be keeping an eye on things. But... You know, she will have just had a baby and she's needing to focus on that time. Um, it's such a short amount of time to be at home as well. But I think definitely in that press conference on Monday, she wanted to give the impression, you know, I'm still keeping on top of the rain, so don't you guys worry too much. And I also think that there's no incentive for Winston Peters to actually tank this government, you know. So actually, despite of us talking about this, it could go past and next thing we know Jacinda Ardern's back and we're like oh well Winston Peters was in charge. And I think sometimes we don't give Mr Peters enough credit. He's been around for a long time even though he racks us up. He is you know he's the foreign affairs minister he's um, the consummate diplomat in the outside world he just likes to have a bit of fun with us and um, I think has a shorter fuse especially with this Prime Minister and the former, you know, with um, Bill English and with John Key, they both kind of let us get away with quite a lot. He does not. And I don't think he loses any friends in the public from having a crack at us. Um, So I think think it could be a bit frustrating, but I think it might be kind of fun as well. Just like we hold him to account, he holds us to account as well. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. Um, Well, thank you very much for being here this week, guys, and thank you very much for taking part with with this talk and with this chat. Um, it's been great to have all of you with us as well. This was Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering for One News. It's available every Thursday evening on the One News Facebook page and check us out on your favourite podcasting app. We'll see you next time. Yeah.